Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In all the years that I've been involved in Christian ministry, uh, the desire that Christians most often express and what they consistently ask me about more than anything else really hasn't changed. It's how can I know God's will for my life? And most of us have pondered this. How do I know God's will? And some of you are going to be really glad that I'm going to answer that question today. I'm going to tell you how to know God's will for your life. But then after I've done that, some of you are going to go home really disappointed with the answer that I've given you. And the reason you're going to be disappointed is because of the disconnect that we have between the fleshly human question that we're asking and the spiritual biblical answer that we're being given. You see, when we humans are seeking the will of God, most often our minds get all focused on what is God's will for my life program, right? So what career should I pursue? Or who should I work for? Or who should I marry? Or where should I live? Or what school should I send my kids to? Or what farm should I buy? Or when should I plant my crop? Or things are getting a bit dry. Um, I probably should sell a few cattle, but the prices are going down. But God, is it gonna rain? If so, I wanna buy cattle before the prices go up. Hmm, which is it? And where should I retire? What church should I join? What doctor should I trust? All, right? All of these things are valid questions that we have that, that we should bring to the Lord in prayer. But the thing is, often when we're praying about these things, underlying our prayer is our fleshly desire to see things go well for me in life. Right? So I'm wanting God to make the decision for me so that everything that I do is going to work out and go well for me in life. But when the scriptures reveal to us the will of God, most often it's not about our individual life program. The will of God uh, and what's most important and what God reveals in his word is about knowing God, it's about making godly decisions, and it's about living a holy life. So from the day that Paul and Timothy heard about the faith of these Colossian Christians, they've been praying for them. And in today's reading, he tells us what they've been praying for. And I reckon if the Apostle Paul and Timothy were praying for us today, this is pretty much what they would be praying for us as well. 
that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, some people are of the opinion that to become a Christian, to become a disciple of Jesus, you have to check your brains out at the door. Don't bother bringing them into the room. But nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and all of your mind. Mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Uh, to be a person of faith, to be a person who's following the Lord Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean that we switch our minds off. It means that we tune them in. It means that we start worshipping God with our minds. It means we start loving God with our minds. Instead of thinking on earthly things, instead of thinking on fleshly things, we're thinking on the things of God. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And that ain't going to happen unless we love him with our minds. So when it comes to the knowledge of God, what is it? Is it an airy, fairy, esoteric thing? And now I'm going to explain that word esoteric because the first time that I ever heard the word esoteric, I didn't know what it meant. I had to look it up. Um, some churches today are heading down the New Age spiritualism myst mystical line. And it's all tangled up with claiming to have this special secret knowledge. That, that's what the word esoteric means, sort of a, a secret revelation, a secret knowledge which is revealed to people. A, and it's only the initiated or only the special spiritual people who get to achieve this knowledge. It's a knowledge that gets revealed to the special few and everybody else is left in the dark. Now, is that the sort of knowledge that Paul's talking about and that he's praying for? No, not at all. And yet that's the sort of knowledge that, that many people are craving. And as we continue studying this letter, we're actually going to learn that a false teaching that Paul is warning the Colossians about, it's something which inflicted, was inflicted in the early church, is something called Gnosticism, um, coming from the Greek word gnosis, which means knowledge. And, and what it was was a mixing up and a combining of pagan Greek philosophy with Christianity. And it's very similar to what we see in the New Age spiritualism movement in, a, in the world at the moment. And so the ones who saw themselves then in the early church as being the spiritually elite, they were the ones who believed they had this special secret knowledge the special secret revelation that nobody else could have. But the knowledge that Paul and Timothy are praying for, for this church, it isn't an esoteric knowledge. It isn't a secret revelation. It's the known and taught salvation will of God. In verse 5, we, we saw this last week, Paul said, you've heard it talking about the word of truth. In verse 6, he said, you've heard it and understood it, talking about the grace of God in truth. In verse 7, he says, you've learned it, 
talking again about the grace of God in truth, right? This is the sort of knowledge that he's talking about. There's nothing secret about it. It can be heard. It can be understood. It can be learned. We can be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. But why? Why, as Christians, why, why do we need to hear it again? Why do we need to understand it some more? Why do we need to learn it? What's the purpose of being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding? Well, the purpose is so that we can live godly lives. Uh, in this passage, there's a bit of a circular pattern happening. And it's not a, a circular pattern, it's actually a spiral. It's an upward spiral. Right? So, so we used to live um, just outside of Dolby. And um, the Dolby district, it's become quite the hub for gliders. And when I was working at the Ag College, we used to farm the airport lease. So I used to be able to watch all day the air aircraft coming in and going out and seeing what they were doing and whatnot. And for a while there, there used to, I don't know if it's still there or not, there used to be a, a tow plane based in Dolby and they'd tow up gliders. And then once they were up there, they'd look for a thermal. They're looking for something that creates lift. Now, Alex would know a lot more about this than me, um, but my understanding of it is if you find, a, like so if you've got a whole bunch of green paddocks, but then there's a ploughed up black soil paddock amongst them all, well, the cool air coming from those green paddocks into that, into that hot black soil, it starts to heat the air up and it, and it rises. And, um, and glider pilots love to see those little cumulonimbus clouds because they've been caused in the same way, caused by uplift. The, the, the cool, moist air gets lifted up in the heat and then it gets up and it cools down and forms condensation into a cloud. And so they find a thermal, they find a patch where there's this air being lifted and they circle round and round in that. And, but they're not just circling just to stay where they are, they're circling to gain altitude. And once they've gained altitude, then they can glide to wherever they want to. And that's what's happening here. The knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding means we walk in a manner worthy of God. And he talks about living to please God. And we bear fruit in every good work. And this then increases our knowledge of God's will. And we've got this upward spiral happening. If you want to know more of God's will for your life, start by doing God's will that you already know. Right? The, the more we know God's will, the more spiritual wisdom and understanding we have means we make godly decisions and we walk in a manner worthy of God. It's a, this is about godly living and this increases our knowledge of God's will even more. Do you see how when it comes to, to God's will, our focus shouldn't be so much on our life's program. Our focus should be on what we already know. Um, our focus should be on the will of God 
that he's already revealed to us. And that was an excellent kid story he used before Andrew. I don't know how you keep coming up with these stories. They, they just keep appearing, don't they? Excellent kid story. We already know God's will. Should I have that lolly or should I give it away? Well, we know God's will is we, we give away. The first shall be last. The last shall be first. Excellent kid story. Um, now, most Christians I know want to know God, show me your will and I will do it. Is anyone here not okay with that? God, show me your will and I'll do it. Most of us are like that, aren't we? Because we want to please God. We want to live by his word. We want to do what he says is right. But the thing is, often God has already shown us his will and we neglect it. God's will that he has very clearly reveals to all, that there's nothing secret about it, is about godly living. And of course, that begins by coming into, into relationship with Christ. Um, so how about we start with that? Paul uses this phrase, bearing fruit in every good work. A few months ago, we were studying the book of Galatians where we learned about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This is God's will for us to keep in step with the Spirit, um, for, the, for the Holy Spirit to be working out through us in the way that we live. And as we bear fruit in every good work and, and as we increase in the knowledge of God, do you know what happens? We are being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, there's a lot of talk about the power of God, a lot of talk about experiencing the power of God. And it appears as if some people almost want to make mini-gods of themselves. What they crave is to be able to wield spiritual power, miraculous power themselves. What they crave is to be able to have all of this at their hands. But this is a complete misunderstanding of God, how God intends us to be strengthened with all power. He strengthens us with all power according to his glorious might. That sounds good. Why? For all endurance and patience with joy. That's the sort of power he's wanting to unleash upon us. The power that will help us to endure with patience and joy. A common Christian term that we use is to be a conqueror, to be an overcomer. What do you think that means? What does that mean for you as a Christian to be a conqueror, to be an overcomer? Well, what often gets taught is that to be a conqueror, to be an overcomer, is to have enough faith to get rid of all your hardships so that you can have a glorious and trouble-free life. Oh, that sounds pretty good. I'd like to be that sort of overcomer. The trouble is it's not true. 
It, it's when we were studying the very last book in the Bible, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is when it really struck home to me what it really means to be a conqueror for Christ and what it really means to be an overcomer. The one who conquers, the one who overcomes is the one who stands strong in his faith, always being a witness for Jesus, no matter what troubles come our way, no matter what persecutions we endure. Overcoming isn't about removing the troubles. It's about continuing to be a faithful witness for Jesus through the troubles. And my prayer is that every one of us would be a conqueror for Christ, that every one of us would be an overcomer for Christ. You know, as, it's, as we watch world events unfold, um, it's, as, as a Christian, we, we really need to be praying for other Christians in the world. And, and I've been thinking lately, ever since what's been going on in Afghanistan, um, there didn't used to be many Christians in Afghanistan, but there's quite a number of Christians in Afghanistan now. And the pressure that they're going to be under. Um, if we were to say to them, oh, for you to be an overcomer means God's going to take away your troubles. Really? How, how, what happens when they get killed for their faith? For them to be an overcomer is to stand strong for Jesus, even under death. And that's what they want us to be praying for them, that they will be overcomers, that they will not deny their Lord. This is the real power of God. When Jesus prayed for his disciples, he acknowledged that the world would hate his disciples. Did you know that? Jesus told us that the world would hate us simply because we follow Jesus. And yet he sent his disciples out into that world. He sends us out into that world as witnesses for, for him. He didn't say, so I'm going to stop them from hating you. He said, you go, you go. And this is the real power of God, to be a witness for Jesus, to take the good news of Jesus Christ into the world who hates Christ. That's the power of God in action. And the word that's translated here as patience, um, we don't generally think of patience as, Lord, give me patience and give, me, give it to me now, right? That's the classic prayer. Um, but the, the word in the Greek is actually macrothumia. Macro meaning big, thumia meaning suffering. Long suffering is the, the word here that we should be understanding. And the power of God that strengthens us means our endurance and our long suffering is something that we do with joy. And not only with joy, we do it giving thanks to the Father, even through the tough times. Now, why would we do this? Why would we ever suffer through, have joy through suffering? Why would we give thanks to our Father, even in times of suffering? And probably the best example that I can give is the pain of the labour of childbirth, because as a bloke, I know so much about it. <laughs> so ladies, please don't throw anything at me. It's safe for me to talk about this because Robin's out at Sunday school at the moment. 
But the, the pain of, of labour, the pain of childbirth, it's leading up to the birth of a child. And if you ask any mother, was it worth it? Jackie, was it worth it? Too right it was worth it. You ask a mother if it was worth it, of course it was worth it. The blessing of the child that comes. So what do we know that makes the suffering for Jesus all worthwhile? The mother knows it's all worthwhile because the baby is about to be born. What do we know that makes it worthwhile? We know that our Heavenly Father has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness and he's transferred us to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his beloved Son. Verse 12 says, He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Right? We haven't qualified ourselves. We haven't earned it. He has qualified us. Verse 13, he says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. How did that happen? In Jesus Christ, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, when you think about being a citizen of a country or of a kingdom, not anyone can become an Australian citizen. Uh, To become a citizen of Australia, you're either born as a citizen or you have to jump through all the hoops. You have to go through the process of becoming a citizen. And during that process, it gets decided if you are a person of the right character. They check out your criminal history. They check out all of your background. And and is this the sort of person we want coming into our country? And then you have to take a citizenship pledge, giving your loyalty to the country. But to become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, no one is born to that. Right? You don't get to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven just because you were parents, had parents who were Christians. We all have to make the transfer. At one time, we were all citizens of the kingdom of darkness. And so we have to transfer from the kingdom of darkness. We have to renounce our old citizenship and give our loyalty to the Lord Jesus Christ to be part of this new kingdom of light. And that transfer is to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. To have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Redemption means he's brought us back. I did some redeeming during the week. I redeemed a battery. Stick with me. Stick with me. Um, In our household, we... we, um, we always have the discussion, did you need it or do you want it? You're nodding. You have those discussions too, do you, Jenny? Right? <laughs> do you need it or do you want it? Well, I'll be very clear. Um, I needed a new cordless tool, um, but, so, uh, but they had a special deal on at that point that if you bought two skins, you could redeem a free battery with the two skins. Now, a skin for the uninitiated... Um, is a, a cordless tool without the battery and charger, all right? So all of a sudden, I didn't only need one 
cordless power tool. I needed two cordless power tools, so I bought the two of them. And then I had to redeem the battery. So they said, you can have a free battery with this, but you can't have it till you redeem it. How did I redeem it? I redeemed it by buying those two things and proving that I had the receipts to, to get that battery. And so maybe in a month or two, they'll eventually post the battery to me. Now, sin has a cost to it. The wages of sin is death. We learn that in Romans. And so for Jesus to save me from my sin, the redemption price has to be paid. For me to redeem those, that battery, I had to buy two power tools. For us to be redeemed, the redemption price for our sin had to be paid. And that was Christ died on the cross to redeem us from sin and death. Now, I said last week that this whole letter is going to be unashamedly about Christ. In Christ, we have the redemption and forgiveness of sins. It is through what Jesus has done for us on the cross that we are qualified to be citizens of the kingdom of light. And so if God's will is for us to know this, and knowing this, we walk in the light. If Jesus has done this for us, will we not walk in a manner worthy of our Lord? And the more we realise that Christ has given for us, the more we will love him, because the more we know that he loves us, and the more that we will want to please him. And so we walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And as we do that, he gives us strength. He gives us strength to endure. He gives us strength for long suffering. He gives us strength to be witnesses for him. And so when we're talking about seeking the will of God, humanly speaking, when we're seeking the will of God, we might most often be wanting him to give us a plan for our life's program. But the answer that God is giving us is how to live a godly life. It's how to make godly decisions in our life's program. But it's how to be faithful to him and live a godly life where we are and, and in every circumstance that we find ourselves in. And the better we know God, the more we grow in spiritual wisdom and understanding and the more spiritual fruit we bear and then the better witnesses we'll be for Christ and it just keeps spiralling upward. This is what godly living is about. And the better we know God, the more we will be overcomers, the more we will be faithful witnesses for Christ no matter what troubles come no matter what persecutions or hardships we endure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks because you have qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You have delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of your beloved Son. We praise you 
that in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Lord, our desire is to love you with our minds. Help us to know you better. Help us to hear, understand and learn your merciful act of grace and redemption. Remind us of these things. Remind us of them often and help us to know your gospel of grace and to be able to articulate your gospel of grace, to be able to share it with others. And Lord, help us to live according to your will, that we wouldn't just seek your will to know our life program, but help us to live by your will. Help us to honour you with godly living. Help us to know your will so that we bear fruit of righteousness. To you be all glory, honour and praise. Amen.